The Swarmcast podcast is recorded, mixed, and produced on the poop deck of Gravy Jones Locker in the heart of Columbia, South Carolina. On the show, we talk about the gaming hobby and random fandom. Opinions on this show are... Oh, let's tie it off with the penultimate. Da, da, da. I'm Toast, your cobalt announcer. And now, prepare to delve into the mind of your host, John Minas. Hey there, Swarmcast listeners. So, I wrote up part three of my creative journey segment about three months ago. It was about researching for game projects, artwork, and other stuff related to that. I recorded a bit of content with a game publisher I had fun playing games with and hanging out with at TantrumCon in February. I was really... uh, I had a lot of stuff in the can. I was ready to edit it. And publish it, and then we got a notice to cut ties with that particular person because of them being very problematic and toxic individual in the game industry. So <clears throat> back to square one. Um, I then wrote up plans for new content, delayed a little bit, but I was ready for an early March recording, editing, and posting. And then at the beginning of March, my father passed away. Of a sudden, it's very unexpected, and to this day, there are more questions surrounding it than answers. So, without going into personal details just now, it fell to me and my wife to deal with nearly every aspect of the aftermath. And we're still, and will be still for many more months, dealing with this. Um, things are a lot better now, we're in a much better place, but nothing is normal, or probably will be for quite some time. But life goes on, as they say, and this isn't an episode about my dad, even though this will be coming out just before Father's Day in 2023. Um, It will take me a while to figure out exactly how I want to talk about any of this with anybody else. But hey, let's all enjoy ourselves. We're preparing to go to Origins in Ohio in a few short days. Um, I've been working on some very exciting gaming projects close to my heart, and now... I get to talk about gaming and things I've had to put on hold for a, little, for a few months. So, hey, you're here, so why don't you sit back and enjoy us? Um, also, I'm putting off the uh, the previous segment about the Hawkeyes playoffs for a bit. That bit was mostly funny to, to me only and seemed to be confusing to just about everybody else uh, who I tried to get involved in it. But, yeah, it is what it is. So, anyways, go tell those Iowa... Um, Hawkeyes guys, their podcast. Go tell them that Toast says sup, and tell them how much you like all the game reviews and all the Marvel United stuff. That's that's that we've been posting. That'll confuse the crap out of them, I'm sure. Do it. So that being said, uh, yeah, we got some more of my Marvel United reviews, some characters. So if you like comics and you like um, Marvel United, check that out. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Ruby and I are gonna talk about that. We've gonna, we're going to talk about a game that I received, uh, a Kickstarter game that I received that I actually got to play. 
if you're like me, you've been collecting Kickstarter games and you may or may not have actually been able to play any of them. So that's going to be cool. That's one that we just recently received and got to play. A lot of fun. And I'm going to be reviewing a product that I was that I was sent by Brotherwise Games, which I'm excited about it because I see potential for other things that I do, other interests that I do. And who knows, I'm, we'll probably get Toast on here at some point to do something. That'll be fun. All right, so sit back and enjoy. Marvel United is a game by Simon where you pit your favorite Marvel superheroes against the master plans of a supervillain, using his own superpowers of having read a lot of comic books over the years, playing a lot of this game, and just being an overall super nerd, I mean super fan, John breaks down some of the characters, both who they are in this game, and in the comics, and with the help of his wife, Hello listeners and welcome back to the Swarmcast Marvel United character review segment. Yay! So again, I'm here, John, and I've got with me... Ruby! So we recently, uh, I had a plan of which one we were going to do for this next one, and it was going to be all about the different people who are captains in the Marvel Universe. But then we saw a movie, we saw Spider-Man... Uh, across. across, not into. Well, we did see into, but we saw across the Spider Verse. Yeah, it was and a lot of fun. And so I was like, well, you know what? I got lots of Spider Men's, so let's talk about the Spider Men's in this one. <laughs> so this, all so right. this, this one's all Spider Men's related. Yep. So, what character do you think we should start off with? Let's start off with the main Spider Man, Peter Parker. All right. So, Spider Man, Peter Parker. So, when was his first appearance in the comics, John? All right, it was Amazing Fantasy number 15 back in 1962. So not even his own comic. Right, because I think back then they weren't, nobody was getting really their own comic. It was all. Right, I don't think Captain America was Captain America until much later. Well, usually people don't start out with their own comic either, right? They usually start in someone else's comic and then. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'll give you that. Even modern day. I'll give you that. For the most part. For the most part, yeah. All right. Well, what's uh, Spider-Man Peter Parker's general background or powers? You know, what's what's he usually like? The base standard Spider-Man. Okay. Well, as most listeners know, and if you don't know, you obviously haven't seen any Spider-Man material. He was bitten by a radioactive spider <laughs> and was given the proportional superhuman strength, agility, balance, and wall-crawling abilities of a spider. What else? Um, he also has this thing called spider sense, which is like a sixth sense. So uh-huh. you know, when something dangerous is about to happen, it he gets his spider senses will tingle. Tingle. Right? Uh, depending on which movie you're watching, it might be called something different. Okay. He also has, and this varies from, uh, <laughs> this varies from media to media, he has web shooters. They're either... They're either man-made, like he's made these little devices that shoot special web fluid that he creates uh-huh. with chemicals, or he has uh, DNA-based natural web spinners. I think in the comics right now, he's back to the good old uh, okay. uh, handmade web spinners. So, again, also, if you've lived under a rock and you've never heard or seen anything Spider-Man, there's this, this particular quote of oh, yeah. Peter Parker's. That everyone seems to know, even if you're not a Spider-Man fan. What's yep. that quote, John? With great power comes great responsibility. 
Yeah, and poor Uncle Ben. And Uncle Ben, no, I think that's the other famous <laughs> saying from uh, Spider-Man. <laughs> All right. Um, so what do you think your favorite appearance or moment uh, in the comics is for Spider-Man Peter Parker? All right, well, it's going to be a little weird because I'm not really a huge Spider-Man fan. Gee, comic-wise. I didn't know that. Um, but some of I, I know I have one thing written down in my notes, but there's a couple of my favorite Spider-Man appearances. I was going to say, I personally always love it when Spider-Man shows up with Deadpool because they're both, I don't want to say sassy, but, you know, wisecracking jokesters. See, I hadn't even thought about it, but yeah, the Deadpool Spider-Man comic was right. probably, probably, okay, that's probably my favorite. I, <laughs> I was going to say there's a comic called Spider-Man and the X-Men, which is pretty funny because it's basically... Uh, after the the death of Wolverine saga, which I threw air quotes up there, <laughs> Wolverine in his last will he asked Spider Man to take over teaching duties at the Xavier Institute or the Jean Grey Institute. Okay, so since we're talking uh, actually talking about Marvel United, uh-huh. what which um, box set does Spider Man Peter Parker come from in Marvel United? All right, so there's a box set called Enter the Spider Verse. And in theory, he's also going to get another copy or iteration in the Spider-Geddon box. Yes. Is it just the repackaging that no, we know of? No, Spider-Geddon's going to have whole, all new characters. Oh, okay. So, so a different different Spider-Mans. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry. I totally ignored you. What box set is he in? He, this is Enter the Spider-Verse. Okay. I have not played him, I don't think. But you have played him, or was he played at a convention? That's a very good question. At some point he got played and, <laughs> and, and one or both of us were at the table watching it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's, it's been so long. It has been a while. It's hard to tell. But, but I, when I was looking through the cards again, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. What are his special abilities? What kind of tokens does he use? If any extra, do you know? All right. So. Of course you know, because they're right here in front of you. Right? <laughs> he's got a couple, he's got, um. And you're going to find this uh, very similar trend with all these characters we're about to talk about. Mm, not Spider-Man. Well, they, he's got three uh, three very special abilities. One is called Great Power. One's called Great Responsibility. They're similar. One's about Great Responsibility helps them, helps you rescue a lot of civilians. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get punch tokens, which is kind of cool, or attack tokens. Great Power, you get some attack tokens. And then if you defeat thugs, you get the, uh, the super star, the star tokens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And what's his last ability? And his last one, because he is the web head. He is the web slinger. He is the wall crawler. Well, it doesn't have a wall crawling ability, but he's got web slinging, which, <laughs> which lets him move a lot. He gets uh-huh. a lot of move movement. Yep. All right. And does he have any special tokens that he uses? He does not use special tokens. Okay. Um, well, how do you think the game captures Spider-Man Peter Parker okay. as far as the character versus his comic counterpart? Well, I I feel that the way that the, with great power and the great responsibility, those two things alone uh, fit mm-hmm. his character. Both uh, the name and the... Right, the name and what they end up doing. Yeah, okay. those, those both fit really well. So that's pretty cool. I like that. All right, so our next character we're going to talk about is Spider-Man, <gasps> Miles Morales. Right, and in the, the box set, they just, they just call him Miles Morales. Yeah. But as everybody who reads the books and, and sees the movies know, he goes by the name of Spider-Man. Spider-Man. 
I guess they didn't want that to yeah. hang it over. All right. So when was Miles Morales's first appearance in comics? His first appearance in comics was in a book called Ultimate Fallout Number 4. So, yeah, which is in 2011. So I guess you're right. Nobody appears first in their first book, it seems. <laughs> All right. And uh, what is Miles Morales Spider-Man's general background and powers? So he was bitten by a genetically <laughs> altered spider that was created by uh, either Norman or Harry Osborn. I don't really remember. It's one of those Osborns. Uh, which gave him the proportional strength, agility, balance, and wall crawling ability of a spider. He also has spider sense, much like traditional Spider-Man. Uh-huh. He has web shooters, which I believe his are are not natural. organic. I don't. I don't I think so. his are actually organic. Oh, okay. But to make up for that, he has a weird natural like camouflage ability. Uh huh. And he has these weird uh, bioelectrical blasts that he calls his venom blast. Uh huh. Um, which he uses quite a bit in the comics. I think he just recently in the comics is, is starting to call it the Venom Blast. Okay. Uh, which is kind of a weird choice for a Spider-Man character. <laughs> you know, um, but if, you, if you've seen the movie, uh, the most recent Spider-Verse movie, uh, that Venom Blast comes up a bit. So does his camouflage. I thought it was like the... Well, it's it's the bioelectric, whatever you want to call it. Okay, so it's not two different things; it's one where he can yeah, kind of. Yeah, he just uses yeah. it different ways. Yeah. So, again, you're not a huge Spider-Man fan, I know. Right. Um, not. I think you've read even less Miles Morales Spider-Man than you have base Spider-Man. So, what do you think your favorite appearance or or moment of his is? Um, and this is kind. This is really weird too, because it's not. Uh, this is this is kind of a very Miles Morales thing to do, but it's not necessarily a very superhero thing. Is um, in the 2015 Secret Wars books, th- they make a big point of the fact that it's him and Peter Parker teaming up to to basically try to take to find out what's going on with with whatever he's called God Emperor Doom. Um, oh, but my, I totally forgot about that whole yeah. thing. It's when they merged the Ultimate yeah. Universe and the regular Marvel Universe. But one of my favorite moments is Miles Morales goes to encounter the the Molecule Man, who's being held prisoner by <laughs> Emperor Doom, and he offers him a cheeseburger because he just always carries cheeseburger. And Spider Man, Peter Parker, looks at him and goes, "Wait, where were you carrying those cheeseburgers?" And much like all the other readers, I wondered that same thing. <laughs> Okay, and where does Miles Morales, Spider-Man, in the Marvel United game, what box set does he come out of? Okay, he also comes out of the Enter the Spider-Verse box. Mm, I'm sensing a theme here. Well, maybe. (laughs) And have we seen him or played him? Yes, I think this was actually one that I played. Yeah, I think it was too. kind of remember playing well i remember playing him like right. the back of my hand okay okay um so what special abilities does he have all right well he's got the aforementioned venom strike mm-hmm. which lets him do uh gobs of damage right uh he has his invisibility which is kind of neat he cannot take damage he's basically a little bit of an invulnerability mm-hmm. and he's got his web ability which is kind of cool because I want to say you put it down and it like keeps the villain's uh, turn. It delays the villain's turn, right? Right, but one card. Yeah, yeah. which if you play Marvel United, and he's very handy. He's very handy to to buy you, you guys Old one extra, extra turn. turn. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, does he use any special tokens? He does not. Okay. 
And do you think that the game Marvel United captures the feel of Marvel's um, Miles Morales from the comic? Uh, in the sense that he's got these very unique powers, yes. And I even think the fact that he can delay a villain's turn seems like a very Miles Morales kind of thing to do, more so than more so than Peter Parker Spider Man. Okay. All right. So our next Spider Man. Is actually not a man. Was Spider Ham Peter Porker? That's right. The the uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when was his first appearance? All right. <laughs> so his first appearance, and this totally makes sense for the the character. Um, as ridiculous a character as it is, his first appearance is in a book called Marvel Tales, starring Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider Ham. So he did start out- in his own book. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this came out in uh, 1983. 83? Wow. Yep. So all those jokes from like uh, Simpsons and things like that, right? With oh, the, oh, the Spider-Ham, Spider-Ham. Spider right, yeah, Spider-Ham. I remember when okay. I was a kid and Spider-Ham was around, so. Yeah. So he's not as old as the original, but he's pretty old. Yep. All right. So what's Spider-Ham Peter Porker's general background and powers? Uh, in the comic. Okay, bitten by a radioactive spider type thing, given the proportional strength <laughs> abilities of a spider, <coughs> including strength, agility, balance. Take a drink, everyone. Wall crawling. Uh, he also has spider sense and he has some web shooters, but he's also very much in a cartoon mm-hmm. version of the Marvel Universe. So he has all the kind of weird, like goofy, cartoony powers that you would expect from a classic cartoon. Like he can be flattened by an anvil and be fine. And oh yeah, he's, like he's, he's straight up like Tiny Toon Adventures kind of a cartoony character. <laughs> so, what's your favorite appearance of Spider Ham? Um, see, so I've always liked Spider Ham, and I know I have books with him in it, mm-hmm. but I think my favorite appearance with from him had to be from the actual spider-verse movie the okay. very first spider-verse okay. movie yeah he i was, was just i was like you know i i want to see this movie because spider ham's in it <laughs> all right and which box set does spider ham peter porker come out of in marvel united well you're all going to be surprised to know that he comes out of the enter the spider-verse box take another drink yep but i think he was actually a kickstarter uh add-on to the spider box so i don't know if if you get this box retail, if he's in the retail okay. version of the box. Okay. Um, and has he been played? Yes, he has. I think <laughs> he was one of the first ones we, we played. Right. We had a really interesting group with like Howard the Duck, Squirrel Girl, and Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham. If yes. If I recall correctly. Yes, you do. All right. Um, what are his special abilities? So he has Toonie Web, which lets him basically negate the villain's movement. So he like stickies them to the floor or something like that yeah but then he has tuny weapon which lets him just do extra damage. damage in any location yeah. and his whole tuny essence which basically um it kind of it doesn't make him invulnerable to damage but it makes it so you can't just knock him out he will never lose his last card sure. from his hand on his turn i think yeah Basically, until the beginning of his next turn, you can't force him to discard his last card. So he stays in the he stays tough into the end of the round. Right. So unlike unlike Miles Morales, who he turns invisible, so he can't take damage. He can still take, take damage. You, you just can't get rid of you his. Just last. can't get rid of his last card. Yeah. All right. 
And do you think that the game captures the comic feel of Spider-Ham Peter Porker? I guess. I mean, I don't know. I I I personally think that the game itself just because it's not necessarily as slapsticky as the character is, it was a little harder for them to convey the tooniness right. of it rather than using the word toony is the only thing that really makes it feel toony slash goofy right i felt that if it, if it had been a bit more silly in whatever its effect were was then it would have right. fit more and maybe that's just the thing they didn't think they could do in season one right. of the game because like in season two we definitely see that if they want to make silly cards they can make silly <laughs> cards right all right um Oh, boy. All right. The next one. Uh, we're starting to branch out for people that aren't actually named Spider-Man fully. So the next one I think we're going to talk about is Spider-Man 2099. Miguel O'Hara. Yay. When was his first appearance? All right. His was in a book called Spider-Man 2099. Hey, he has started in his own, too. But make mention here that there was a whole series of 2099 comics. So it right. wasn't just Spider-Man. There was X-Men 2099. There was right. Cable. You know, well, well, no, not, not Cable. cable. Um, what was the... There was Punisher. Yeah. Who was the other version of Cable. Right. Punisher. <laughs> uh, but there was a whole was series a whole of, of 2099s. Right. But uh, so Spider-Man 2099, which came out in 1992. Oh. It was actually the very first of the 2099 books. Okay. So our first glimpse into the Marvel Universe of the year 2099 was okay. with this guy. And I got to admit, this was the Spider-Man that I was into. Okay. Okay. So what was what is Spider-Man 2099 Miguel O'Hara's background and powers? Well, he was not bitten by it. Oh, he was not. No, he worked for he works for a mega corporation called Alchemex. Okay. And he is a geneticist, uh, scientist working with all sorts of sci-fi stuff. And he got caught up in an accident where his DNA was bonded with the DNA of a spider. Oh. Or possibly so several spiders. He caused himself to do it. So kind of like uh, a croc not croc Wow. Mixing up the Spider-Man villains. Well, he was trying to undo some genetic damage that was done to him through corporate espionage and through further corporate espionage his machine exploded okay which caused him to get 2099 not a good year in marvel apparently well for all sorts anyway it did give him superhuman strength agility balance (laughs) wall crawling he has he has in what was in the comics the first uh notion of organic web shooters he had these itchy web pads in in the in like his wrist that oh, okay. would shoot out webs. He also had fangs because he is actually more like a spider. And he actually had a so his wall crawling ability was actually from these little his hairs fingers had his little fingers? his hairs and little claws on the tips of his fingers okay. that he would use to climb walls. His costume also uh, incorporated a gliding. Was like part of, a, it was part of a glider that he crashed into and shredded up, and he made it into a cape. So it lets him. <laughs> so it so it lets him glide. Okay. This guy. <laughs> so what's your favorite uh, moment <laughs> for him? Well, I enjoyed all of the original run of the Spider-Man 2099 books, which, which is he owns. which is which is nuts because I'm not a Spider-Man fan. But this is not Peter Parker Spider-Man. This is a very different ball of wax. He is a darker Spider-Man. Too. Yes. He, he's not as oh great responsibility, great power. It's a it's a you know I don't really know what is vigilante. Yeah, he's more vigilante. 
Um, but in particular, there's a storyline I really liked called The Fall of the Hammer, which was a big crossover, the crossover for the 2099 books at the time, mm-hmm. where uh, basically Alchemex genetically engineered um, the Asgardians because they were trying to convince everyone that, uh, oh, the Asgardian heroes are back and <laughs> and they're, they're under our corporate sponsorship. And oh, kind of sounds like the boys. Right. There's there's some very similarities. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. In fact, okay. fact of you know. All right. <laughs> so, uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine, Miguel O'Hara. What box set did he does he come out of? All right. He is a season one Kickstarter stretch goal. So the character. big box so of the big box of miscellaneous characters. So you cannot get them unless you buy them. Right now, in a weird... second hand, or you got them yep. from okay. the Kickstarter. So, in a weird side note, this version of Spider-Man 2099 is the one with the white and magenta costume, mm-hmm. which we see in later iterations. So, in the tw- in the two thousands, okay. when he's reintroduced to Marvel Comics, the classic version, which is the the black and, and or excuse me, the blue and red okay. costume, which you will see in the latest movie, mm-hmm. is going to be released. Is coming out in that, that Spider Geddon one. Nice. this year so there will be two spider-man 2099s so i shouldn't feel so bad that i don't have two copies of him to paint in two different versions i'll have get another chance to yeah exactly <laughs> all right um so what are his uh figure abilities and does he use any special tokens he does not use special tokens i'll go and get that out of the way that's okay. an easy question he has some pretty nifty abilities first off he has his claws Okay. Which kind of reminds me of, uh, I forgot who it was. I think, I think Miguel, or Miles Moss, of course Miguel had it. I think Miles had this one where he can just do a bunch of punch damage to something. Okay. He has his enhanced senses, which is kind of like Miles' invisibility where he just can't take damage. But then he has the one which I like, which if you've ever read the the Spider-Man 2099. Or you see the new... Or if you see the new the new movie. They mention her. One of the big things is in the comics he has is his AI assistant, um, hologram assistant named Layla. Named Lay- Layla. Named Lila. Lila. Excuse me. Oh my gosh. And in this one, Lila essentially gets a card, which lets her... Um, she basically can go put a little star action token on any location. Okay. So that's very different from any of the ones we've seen so far. Yeah. All right, and do you think that the game captures the comic book version of my of Spider-Man '99 Miguel O'Hara very well? I think in the in the in the sense that he's a Spider-Man who doesn't have your typical Spider-Man stuff. Sure, okay. I would have loved it if Lila's card had actual picture of Lila on it. <laughs> now it is interesting to note you mentioned that in the comic he has fangs. Well, in this co- in the card version and the Marvel United version. Uh, it just looks like a regular kind of Spider-Man face mask thing. So there's uh-huh. no mouth or fangs or anything showing. Yeah. So. In the comics, he doesn't really use the fangs that much. It's, it's weird. They, they note that he's got them, but he doesn't actually really use them. Yeah, it'd be kind of weird. Well, yeah. I mean. He doesn't take off the mask that much. Right. All right. Uh, so moving right along, we have Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew. This now, is- yeah. John, you added that. I had no idea her name was Jessica Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, Jessica Drew is not mentioned in the actual Marvel United cards. So she is just Spider-Woman. Right. 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 So her first appearance was... Marvel Spotlight number 32 back in 1977. She's older than I am. Not by much, though. Yep. 
<laughs> All right, and her general background in powers. <clears throat> okay, so you're gonna. This is gonna be interesting. So, so of all the spider people, this is probably the least like any of the others because Jessica got her powers. Um, I want to say from Hydra or AIM. They were trying to create a superhuman, and they did a lot of experiments on one of on one of their uh, spy trainees or spy they captured, which was Jessica, and. That's how she got the power she got. I think the only reason she became called Spider-Woman was because, uh, you know, when DC's got Superman, Superwoman, you know, Marvel's Marvel's got to go, well, we've got a (laughs) Spider-Woman. All right. Uh, What are her... Oh, her powers. Her background and her powers. So So, so that's basically her background. So she's a spy turned superhero. Because of an evil organization. Because of an evil organization. But she was not part of that evil organization. All right. She has superhuman strength, agility, balance, wall crawling. But she also has pheromone manipulation, which I don't know why I suddenly can't pronounce that word, but I did. Pheromone manipulation. In particular, in the comics, it's in regard to uh, men. She can use that against men. Yeah. Uh, She has this bioelectric energy because she actually blasts people with little venom blast as she calls it but so kind of like uh miles morales yeah you see that with miles morales too okay and spider woman can fly she can actually fly she can actually fly okay <laughs> well you know spiders kind of can fly ish with so, their webs so and... spider yes yeah, so spider woman does not actually spin webs yes okay um what's your favorite appearance of hers so my favorite appearance of her is in the very beginning of the second volume of the Wolverine comic. She <laughs> appears, this is after she's been out of Marvel Comics for a long time. So she appears, but she's not Spider-Woman. She's Jessica Drew. Mm-hmm. She's pretending to be a private investigator, but she still has all of her Spider-Woman powers. And Wolverine's like, Wolverine recognizes her right away. Because he's old as poop too. That's right. And I always thought that was cool because she's still using her Spider-Woman powers. But she's definitely a much more uh, grittier version of the Spider-Woman character that we got up to that point. All right. And where does she come out of in the Marvel United box sets? Uh, she is also one of the Kickstarter stretch goal characters. From season, from season one. Okay. So just like um, the first Spider-Man 2099. Uh, yeah. I mean, excuse me. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'm correct. All right. Um, and do you think that... Oh. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Have we played her yet? Uh, we did not, but we got to sit in on a game at a recent convention, like in February, where somebody was playing her. Okay. So we got to see exactly... You did, I don't remember. Oh, you were you were in it too, because we all were like, oh, that's how it works, because we were fighting Apocalypse. Or, no, oh! it was fighting Mr. Sinister. Yes. Oh, he was hard. And anyway. She, and she she was the, the, the linchpin to the fight, <laughs> Oh, yes. So... What are her special abilities, and does she have any special tokens? All right. No special tokens. She has two of her poison blasts, as they call it in this game. So she has three special cards, but two of them are the but same. But two of them are the same. So two of them are poison blasts, which is uh, damage. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or she can delay a villain's turn by one, by one card. card. So, so again, so again very, very useful. Very useful. And the fact that she had two of them, that made it... That's why I say she was kind of the linchpin in this. And then she has her super resistance... Which keeps her from taking damage for her turn. Um, They can't all be winners. 
Yeah. <laughs> how do you feel that her she was ca- how she was captured in the Marvel United game? Does she feel like the comic? Um, she has that. I mean, she has that that venom blast, but that other one I wasn't so sure about. Okay. I wanted to see something that somehow used her pheromone ability. I'm not sure what that. <laughs> What form that would have taken in the game. So I'm going to make a note here that her figure and her costume are dramatically different from most other spider people costumes. While yes, it's still like red, black, and yellow. It's more of a bodysuit and face mask. Her hair is out. You know, it isn't all one thing that covers everything. You know, it isn't a onesie. That's true. That's true. So her her costume, and it doesn't have like a web pattern like most of the others either. So. Right. So, so she visually does not look like a spider person. Right. And of the spider people, she has the least ties to the whole Peter, Peter Parker, Parker, Spider-Man thing. Right. Right. It's like she was just given the codename Spider-Woman. And... <laughs> right. All right. Um, And I think we're coming up to the last hero that we're yes. going to talk about. And this one is Ghost Spider, which is yeah. Gwen Stacy. This one's an interesting one. Uh, they chose some interesting. Well, first okay. off, first off, yeah, yeah. Let's let's start from the beginning as our format okay, is. Yeah. When was her first appearance? Uh, Edge of the Spider Verse number two, back in 2014. So, a relatively newish character, right? And it seems like she's been around forever. <laughs> and actually her first appearances were as a little one-off joke okay alternate yeah. covers to different books because remember they were doing a lot of like what, right. if, what if what if she was Gender a spider swap. person yeah yeah and we right. wouldn't have gotten gwen pool if it weren't Not for the gwen whole gwen stacy the gwen, spider. spider gwen craze yeah all right <laughs> um so what are her general powers and her background all right it's a bit off kilter for everything else again she was uh she was bitten by a radioactive spider. <laughs> Take a drink. Uh, given super strength, agility, balance, wall crawling. Uh, she has spider sense. She also has web shooters, uh, uh-huh. which were are not natural. They're handmade. Okay. I uh-huh. want to say she also has some sort of energy web spinning abilities with her fingertips, but that doesn't come up that much. All right. And your favorite thing or, or appearance about her? Uh, honestly, because I don't really read a lot of comics with her in it, so into the Spider Verse movies, I thought she was was great. Yeah, yeah. She, she, That's probably my the majority of my knowledge about Spider Gwen as well, right? Or Ghost Spider, excuse me. Yes, and so okay, we'll pause right here for a moment yes. to to take this aside. So, in the comics, she actually goes by the name Spider Woman. She did go by Ghost Spider. I think she's Spider Woman again. Okay. In the movies, like she's... in the second one, they make note that she actually goes by the name Spider Woman. Yeah. Uh, everybody who sees the different comic covers calls her Spider, Spider Gwen. Gwen. Right. <laughs> but, you know. All right. Uh, and <laughs> her from Marvel United, what box set is she from? She comes from Enter the Spider-Verse. Okay. And she has been played. Yes. All right. And her special abilities? Ah, right. Hers are interesting because hers are, uh, she has, uh, I'm going to try and not flub this one. She has Web Weaver, which lets her, like, swap a couple threat cards around mm-hmm. that are in play, which is, can be Can useful. be interesting. And she has Web Dancer, which keeps her from taking damage till the mm. end of her next turn. 
So again, like Miles Morales has one like that, so does Spider-Woman. Quite a few of them do. Um, and then she has this acrobatic fighting, which is kind of cool because it defeats all the thugs in your location. Right. And, and I think one of the things that is kind of, that you might be getting a hint of here is that Gwen Stacy is either like a ballet or an acrobatic, a gymnast. So she uses that quite well. It, it, her spider abilities enhance her gymnastics abilities, essentially. Right. Or vice versa. Anyway, uh, I think I think personally that ability to clear all the thugs out oh, in yeah. the location, especially if it's almost cool. <laughs> an o- or if it's an overflow or something like that. Right, that's a pretty cool card right there. Yeah, um, and does she have any special tokens? She does not use special tokens. So so far, none of these characters have used special, special tokens, tokens this time right. through. All right. Um, so, do you think that the Marvel United captured the comic book feel of Ghost Spider, Gwen Stacy, Spider Gwen, Spider Woman, <laughs> whatever you want to call her? The card is Ghost Spider. I'm gonna say yes. She's with the web dancing web right. weaver. She's she's a lot like just uh, I hate to say it. She's like your, your typical spider person. Yeah. All right. So she's got all of that. All right, so that was all of the heroes we're going to talk about. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about at least one villain. Correct. And I think John chose a pretty nifty spider villain. There are many more, but the one that he chose that he wants to talk about is uh, Green Goblin, because that's a pretty standard Spider-Man villain. The -hmm. only other one that might be more iconic is Doc Ock. Oh, yes. But we'll have a whole other episode where we talk about Doc Ock. Right. Wink, wink. (laughs) So, let's go ahead and start with, when was his first appearance? All oh, right. I'm sorry. Green Goblin, Norman Osborn. Yes. And in this case, in the Marvel United game, they chose to go with Norman Osborn. There have been many people who have been Green Goblin. This mm-hmm. this one is, is Norman. All right. So, his first appearance. <laughs> now, I have okay. a question. Is this going to be first appearance as Norman Osborn Green Goblin, or is this Green Goblin whatever the very first Green Goblin named Green Goblin is. Well, it is the first appearance of Norman Osborn as the Green Goblin, which is also the first appearance of any Green Goblin. Okay, okay. So he was the OG. So he's the OG. He first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number 14 back in 1964. Okay. Which, if you remember back in the beginning of my notes, uh, Spider-Man came out in 1962. So, but a couple years later, we got his... I'm going to say his number one villain. See, and I would think I would say Doc Ock. But I get you, Norman Osborn, Doc Ock, they're both... Okay. They're both up there. Osborn's been around. Yeah. All right, so uh, what is Green Goblin, Norman Osborn's general background? What sort of powers does he have in the comics? All right, he was bitten by radioactive... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Kidding. (laughs) I don't have a drink. Norman Osborn uh, created through chemicals and stuff a... (laughs) That's the scientific explanation. <laughs> a, what he called his goblin formula, which gave him superhuman strength, a chili, stamina, a little bit of regeneration. And because he is so rich, he developed a weird uh, goblin-themed glider that he, he rides around on. And he throws pumpkin bombs a lot of times. And he yeah. is uh, he is kind of the Marvel's equivalent of the Joker... In if the Joker was just more chaotic and didn't really come up with a lot of, like, super intricate plans and stuff. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get added a lot on the internet for saying that. Okay. Um, so, what's your favorite moment with 
Green Goblin. All right. Um, as you know, I'm an X-Men fan. Yes, yes. So my favorite Green Goblin moments all kind of come from the Dark Reign stuff, but in particular the Dark X-Men comic. And about what year was that? Do you know? Uh, no. It was in the 2000s. Okay. It was in the 2010s. Okay. I'm surprised I didn't write that that year on my notes. Uh, but basically it's, it's Norman Osborn getting pushed to the limits by all the psychics in the different X-Men groups and the Green Goblin poking his head out for the first time as he's time. trapped or, yeah, for, in a long time. Okay. So fun stuff. All right. So in Marvel <laughs> United, where does uh, the Green Goblin show up as a villain? What box set? All right, he is the main villain in the Enter the Spider-Verse box set. So we've talked about pretty much all or almost yes. all of the uh, that particular box set. Yep. Enter the Spider-Verse box set. That's pretty cool. Yep. All right. So listen is, to this, is, you'll know everything you need to know. About. Is that why you chose Green Goblin? It is not. It's because to me the most iconic Okay. Um see see back when I was back <laughs> when I was growing up and we had Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Green Goblin was always the main villain that when he showed up, it was bad news for Spider-Man. Okay, okay. And has, I know the answer to this, um, have we played or seen him played? Oh boy, have we. <laughs> I know he made an impression on both of us. Yeah. So this is the guy that in all the forums and stuff I read, people always, uh, people agree he is one of the tougher villains to play I, against. I agree. So far, I agree. He, he, he whooped us soundly the first time. And once we realized how he worked, uh-huh. we admittedly chose better characters to go after him. That's true. We did. We yeah. did. The first time was like, whoa, that's, oh, that's we nuts. We lost real quick. So I will say there are special setup rules for Green Goblin. If you know anything about the way that Marvel United plays, uh, threat cards are usually put down on each of the locations. In this particular case... He does not put down his threat cards right away. He puts down threat cards as you are in play. Uh-huh. And and if he puts down all of his threat cards on all the locations, you lose. Yep. <laughs> Besides, you know, running out the table, killing all of right. the, <laughs> right. the people, he, you lose if all of the locations have threat cards. So he has an additional victory condition. Yep. So, um, all right. Um, does he use any special tokens? He does not use special tokens. All right. But he does use some of the tokens that are available in a special, special way. way. Like what? Well, he can kidnap civilians, mm-hmm. which means you put a civilian on his dashboard. And if there's a civilian on his dashboard, if he's holding someone hostage, you cannot damage that sucker. You can't. But you can rescue the civilian from his dashboard by spending two of the star tokens. Yep. And it can get pretty tricky it can it can because he moves around a lot does he and there are some threat cards which make it even harder right to rescue civilians from him right um boy does he he has so many cards that make him just tough he does like i said he moves around a lot he he kidnaps civilians so you can't damage them Uh you have to keep up with keeping the locations threat free you got to make sure overflow doesn't happen because when you do overflow that's when threat cards go down on locations uh Uh, so so you've constantly got to be you know punching out thugs rescuing civilians keeping civilians off his dashboard there's a lot going on yeah he keeps he he keeps you moving a lot lot, too right so. so he has one of his other cards is his goblin formula, mm-hmm. which when if that's face down in the storyline or face up in the storyline, mm-hmm. he gets tougher. 
You take he does more damage. You can take more damage. Mm-hmm. There are two of them in the deck. They're cumulative. So mm-hmm. every time one comes up in the deck, it gets he tougher gets tougher. And tougher. So and he has two. He has three threat cards, which I think are, are delicious right. as well. Right. So so his threat cards. You know, every there's always six threat cards here. Um, corporate thugs use civilian as a shield. Another corporate thugs. And then uh-huh. he actually, he gets henchmen. He gets Electro, Craven, and Lizard. Which that means they go out, and if they're out, and a band goes off, all of their abilities go off, and yep. they do extra damage. And that also means you've got to punch them. They have five, four, and four health. Right. So, I mean, they're not easy, but they're not super tough either. Right. You don't want to get caught on, a, on the same right. square as Lizard, because he'll do a lot of damage to you. You don't want to be caught on a square adjacent to <laughs> Electro, because he'll do damage. And Craven, Craven. Craven moves around the board and does damage to you. Right. So Green Goblin's moving around the board. Craven's moving around the board, stabbing people with his spear. Right. So yeah. there's, like I said, Green Goblin has a lot going on, which makes him tough. So, the, you know, most, a lot of, a lot of heroes in Marvel United, yeah. you know, have one or two things, maybe three, but he has a lot going on. Yeah. So normally there's, there's a, a sort of a strategy that, that a lot of people have kind of agreed yeah. is the best thing to do, which is to, to delay getting one of those uh, mission cards completed, completed until you can do two of them at once. Yeah. To maximize the amount of turns you get. You, we it's found not with, a good thing to do with. Yeah, him. we found with him the best thing to do is just clear this, clear, clear. them out. It doesn't. If you get one of them cleared out, that's great. Just, just go. Keep at it. Keep at it. Because any delay and he just gets tougher and tougher and tougher. Right. You don't want to keep giving him extra turns or giving him a chance to do anything yeah. else because right. he's just. He is incredible. Hit him hard tough. and fast. Right. That being said, he, uh, yeah, he has a pretty decent amount of health. He does. Too, so. Especially, it's, um, so you tier it depending on how many people are playing. Uh, two, three, or four. It's either has five, five, seven, or ten health. Right. And ten and, health, ten health's pretty good, actually. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> a lot of times when we play Marvel United, we end up, we either are playing two. Because it's me and John, uh-huh. or we're playing full max players. Right, right. There's usually no in between for us. So, so um, that was the. Well, oh, sorry, sorry. I forgot the last question. I'm moving on. Um, <clears throat> does the game capture the feel of this character? Yes. Boy, does it. Yeah. The fact that he's moving around. He's, he's one of the I don't remember any of the other villains so far that have actually that take hostages I don't and either. use them in this way the other one that I can think of that, that we've played against and that's actually a Spider-Man one is the Vulture I was gonna he say doesn't, he doesn't grab civilians he grabs cargo and loot yeah I was and, gonna say he does kind of remind me of the Vulture in that respect but but as far as this um, yeah I think he fits the fact that he moves around so much his henchmen right fit. It's a lot of chaos. It's a lot of... Oh, yeah. Yeah. The way he uses those threat cards. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so now, I think that's everything we decided we were going to talk about for this Marvel United review. Woo! That was a big one. That was was. a bunch of spiders. And then when the... the, And then... Spider-Geddon Later on in 2023, when the Spider-Geddon box comes out, we'll have more spider peoples to talk about. Do we do we want to mention which spider peoples are in that box? Nah. Good because I don't remember all of them. <laughs> I know there a lot of them from the movie. Yeah, from the new movie. Yeah, I know yeah. the villain in there is is I want to say the guy who's who was a cow man or whatever he said. <laughs> <laughs> Spot. 
No. Yeah. Is it spot? Yeah. Okay. You are spot on. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope you had as much fun talking and listening to this as we did talking about it. Yeah. You've been listening to Swarmcast Podcast Marvel United Character Review. We are in no way supported by or affiliated with Simon, although if they want to send us something or talk to us, hey, give us a call. I'm right here, Simon. So check out the Marvel United Game and Retail and at your friendly local gaming store. Let us know what you think of this segment and who your favorite characters are. And also a big shout out to the Marvel United Fanatics Facebook community as well. You guys rock! <laughs> Swarmcast has board game reviews for you. Yeah, you got the good, bad, and other stuff to tell you. So listen up to our board game reviews. You'll really like it, or I'll make you eat your shoes. <laughs> Steam up a feast of dim sum deluxe edition by Hot Banana Games. For two to five players, ages eight and up, plays in 40 to 60 minutes. Steam Up, A Feast of Dim Sum is a competitive dim sum collection game with a delicious cultural experience for two to five players. Deep in the mountains of the mythical land, there's a world-renowned dim sum restaurant by the name of Steam Up. Become one of 12 Chinese zodiac animals with unique abilities and be prepared to compete with other hungry companions at the table. Devour as much dim sum as possible by using fortune cards, managing food tokens, and rotating the turntable to leave the table with the most satisfying stomach. So this is Steamed Up, A Feast of Dim Sum. We have the Deluxe Edition, and this game is being reviewed by Ruby and John. Wonderful. What was the good about this game? Uh, good? I'll let you start since you're waving your hand at me. Right? Um, so even the non-deluxe version, I love the board. And oh yeah, that is probably one of the cooler things. The other thing is, is it has little steamer tokens. You actually put, like, even the regular version, you put uh, little cardboard chits inside these steamer baskets. And the board actually is a turntable, like a Chinese, tur- you know, like a... um. Mm-hmm. What are they called? It's a well, it's a lazy Susan. Lazy Susan. Yeah. yeah. But but it's it's like that. So the board is really neat. Um even without it being the deluxe version. The deluxe uh-huh. version? Oh my goodness. I love <laughs> love 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 the pieces uh they're little they're not quite like eraser rubber but they're not hard rubber uh-huh. but they're they're chicken feet they're they're uh sweet rice wraps and lotus leaves they're they're different types of dim sum that mm-hmm. are in there so you know they're different colors white red green pink um yellow <laughs> they're they're really really adorable the the art on the um on the player cards on the player cards for the different chinese zodiac oh, the player boards the player yeah. boards is really really cute um the once you know how to get the game set up uh-huh which leads into the bad it's pretty intuitive on how to play each character board is different each one right. has a special ability, but the way you collect the dim sum and the points that they're worth are all different. So depending on what you play, 
the game plays a little differently, your strategy is different. So that's kind of nice. So there's a bit of replayability in it. Um, there isn't a lot of hard math to do. It's, that's it's true. Yeah. not a lot of reading because on the fortune cards, there's only maybe like three or four lines. Right, right. And that's a rule on what you do. And then there's fortune and for- fate cards. Fortune and fate cards. And fate cards are smaller. They they end at the end of the turn. They're kind of a, a last hurrah type. The, the, the force timer of the deck. Because there's certain ways yeah, the okay. game ends. Okay. There's like three different ways the game ends. And this is like the final be-all. If you've, you've putzed around enough that the other two don't force the game to end, this will. Right. Um, but uh, overall, it's it's a cute cute game. The deluxe version has, um, like I said, the little dim sum figures. Unfortunately, I don't think that it has quite enough. It has enough to go in the baskets, but it doesn't have enough for the token pile. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they have little wooden meeples instead of cardboard chits for the um, for the animals, the different zodiac animals that you keep on the scoreboard. Um, so, so the bad about the game. Well, oh me, wait, well, did you have any good? I, sorry, I have some sorry. Good. <laughs> okay, fine. You you covered a lot of ground with the good, but right. I say uh, to me what what I thought was good was each of the player mats, all the rules for the game, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want if you were like, what do I, what can I do on my turn? Oh, it's got little icons. Okay. Right there to tell me what and I can do And it does my give turn. you a reference card for what those icons mean. Right. But I, I found we didn't really we need didn't the need reference We didn't need it. Card. Once once we went through at least the first round, we definitely didn't oh, need yeah. the reference card. So I like the, I thought the good was the ease of playability. Yeah. The ease, the ease of, of figuring out how you're supposed, how to play the game. Right. That was a good. I felt also good was there is, for a game that looks as amazing as this does, there's a nice little bit of strategy yeah. involved in the game Oh, too. yeah. So that was good. That was yeah. cool. Um. All right, the bad. Oh, ooh, can I go? Yes, please. So as the person whose job was to read the rulebook and set up the game, I found the initial reading of the rulebook and setting up the game was a bit of a chore, and that could have put me off from the game entirely. Could have. But once we did it, now it's like, oh, I get it. I know how this is supposed to go. Right. It's not so bad. Recommendation. It is a good game if you are someone that gets confused easily or just don't uh-huh. want to read the rules for setup. Find a video. It'll be way less time consuming just to watch a video on how to set it up. I can. You can watch a video right. be less than five minutes than trying to read through and figure out saying, wait, what is this card? Because nothing yeah. is actually labeled or pictured per se, except in the very front of the book. And there's a and then yeah, right, and they throw a lot of words at you, right? And then on top of that, trying to be helpful, they zoom in on like the scoreboard, and we're like, wait, that doesn't look like anything around here. Where are we missing a piece? Right. When it was actually <laughs> attached to and right. part of another whole board. Yeah. So so we thought it was a separate board that we were scrambling on looking for, but it wasn't. It was just a blown up portion of another board. So the rule book, not the best, but not not a deal breaker. Right. Because once once it, once you get it, it'll click and you'll you'll, oh, yeah. you'll get it. And it's like right. oh, it's it it plays quickly. I think from this point on, it's gonna set up really quick. Oh yeah, yeah. Really yeah. really nice and fun. So any other bad? That was my big bad. That was my that, big bad. And like I said, my other semi bad was. In the deluxe version, you have all these neat tokens that you put in the baskets, but then you still have to use the cardboard chits for yeah. the purchasing token. Yeah, okay. Uh, I would eh. I would have upgraded that too. Right, 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 right. Um, so it's not really a bad. It's just weird if you got the deluxe version, you still have to use the base version's pieces too for right, for some right. of it for that in particular. Um, yeah. so I guess that really fits into the other yeah, okay. category. So um, other other All things right. you want to say about it. 
I kind of mentioned all of the others in the good for me. Uh, well, as as the person who had to read the rule book and stuff, <laughs> if you're looking through the rule book, there's a, there's little sidebars and and they make sure you know it's just a sidebar, but it's like a cultural sidebar. So there's a whole page that says what is dim sum, mm-hmm. and it gives you a little background on it and it tells you what's in all the little dim sum pieces, like what's in real life in those dim sum pieces. Like yeah. this isn't just rice; it's like rice and and uh, this type of it's steamed nori right. and, and this type of things. And yeah. and and then it gives little cultural things on like here's the proper etiquette for how to to eat dim sum. Yeah, at an actual dim sum restaurant, and here's where you should. Uh, if you're using chopsticks, here's what, where, and how you should actually place your chopsticks. That, that is, that's really neat. Stuff like that. Yeah. And, and at one point, I want to say it gave some information, further information about the zodiac. Yeah. The Chinese zodiac. In fact, on the back of the player mats. Oh yeah. It gives you a breakdown. Like if you've got the, they show the pig right here. If you flip yeah. over the pig, it tells you this is what the the Chinese zodiac, zodiac for the for pig, pig is, is supposed to and to mean. Years and right yeah. and it does the thing it's like here's the years yeah so when we played it with our other friends we actually all took our proper zodiacs luckily none of us right. were doubled up <laughs> yes we were all having to be born in, in different, different years. years and when we played it we actually got to play it with the full five we did five things. we did so uh kind of weird in other category for me if you if you have people you play with who have little to no attention span or decision bad cases right bad case of decision uh paralysis it, can, it might frustrate you <laughs> it might it might um so i guess sorry this should have been in the good but it actually i think once setup was done played within its time limit that's oh, always yeah. a big plus for me if they if it actually even if it's a first time playing it it played within the 40 to 60 minutes even with some slow decision making right and so what's what's equally exciting to me about this game mm-hmm. was because of course i got it because because i knew uh my wife uh-huh. my wife really likes well, Dimsung and I, I do too. And... I really like Asian food in general. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I prefer Korean over all others. I dabble in Chinese. Um, so this, so this game hit hit three big marks for for I'd say both of us. Uh-huh. First off, it has really cool components. Yes. Uh, secondly, it's about food. Oh, food. So... And third, it's it's actually a really good game. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I, I... There's a there's an yeah. interesting amount of strategy, uh, especially towards the end of the game. Because uh-huh. you're purchasing up the steamers, so the the, the the you have less things of choice, and you're rotating the table or the lazy, lazy oh, Susan yeah, around. Yeah. So you know it can be a spiteful game, or you can be a good Samaritan, depending on if you actually put tokens in front of right. a person so they have a choice, or if you forcing them to use their their turn to move the table around. You know. So, um, so it, it, I think this fits a good amount of play styles. Yeah. Either it can be super competitive, it can be kind of cooperative, it, you know. Right. Um, so, with that, would you recommend buying this game? Um, I would. Oh, yeah. I would. Uh, we did back it on the Kickstart. That's that's why we have it and, uh-huh. and what. Um, oh, yeah, that's the other exciting thing about this. This is a Kickstarter game that I got and got to play relatively soon after I got it. <laughs> Yeah, which, only a which, month. Which we haven't have. It's been hard to do that lately. Lately, right? Um, I would recommend it as well. Again, neat components plays mm-hmm. fairly easily. However, there's a small amount of strategy, so it's 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 a nice medium for those that like a a very strategic game and um, a person a game that people just kind of want to goof around and play. So mm-hmm. so you know, for the hardcore board gamer and the light board gamer, it's a nice happy. <laughs> In between. This is going to sound weird, but I'd say if you like Garinto, yeah, you'd probably like this. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> so the next question, 
and this one's obviously a yes for us, would you buy this game? Well, uh, yes. Because we did. Because we did. Yeah. Um, and I pretty much said the reasons why we bought the game. Right. And and we don't regret buying the game. So, oh, no. No. So, yes, we would both buy the game. Um, but we don't have to because we only need one copy. Woot. <laughs> All right. So this was Steam Up, A Feast of Dim Sum by Hot Banana Game. Now, now let's go get some food. Mmm, dim sum. Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> All right, guys. So I've got something really nifty, really neat that was that uh that I got from Brotherwise Games. It's a product of theirs that goes with uh or it's sort of a companion piece, we'll call it, to their Call to Adventure series. Um, so they, they actually sent me a couple decks here called their Call to Adventure, well, excuse me, let me make sure I got this right. Their Call to Adventure Heroic Fantasy Art Decks. In this case, I got two different ones. One that's, uh, based off of Call to Adventure Epic Origins, and one that's based off of just a regular Call to Adventure. Now, if you've ever played the game, you know that they have these cards that have some nifty art on them, and it tells you... A little blurb and it tells you what 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 kind of things you do in that game so this seems like another logical step from that and i'll tell you why i like it and why i'm super excited about it and what i am probably going to do with this thing so these cards uh it basically has those art so it's all tarot sized cards so you basically you flip through you pull out a card it's got a picture on it a really interesting art style Really interesting art. And then you flip it on the back. And it's got two different paragraphs, two different uh, sort of cues that you can use however you want to. Maybe you need, you're like, oh, I need to describe an NPC or a setting that some players on my role-playing game have come up against. You would pull out one of these cards and you could be like, um, let's see. Well, okay, well, this one is a picture of, there's there's a there's a man standing a bunch of front from a crowd holding up a staff that's glowing and then you maybe you take the cue from that that or maybe you're like oh well my NPC walks in and they look like and you flip up one of the cards and go this is this this elf looking character that's on this one card and she's holding a staff and wearing some white robes or something like that and maybe something on the back of it gives you a cue for you know well my character's got a tragic background because an old enemy of mine that I once thought was uh, vanquished has returned and that's why I'm striking out for adventure or the like or maybe one maybe you need something to describe a certain catastrophe that's going on and the picture might inspire you oh uh, there's there's a series of cave-ins in a nearby caverns and looks like a dragon might be involved perhaps the adventurer should investigate it so yes so this is spin-off product that came from their board game which obviously has says definite role-playing game influences to it and so these are are sort of cues for that so if you're familiar with games like uh dixit dixit the easy one to compare it to where you have an art card and you're trying to describe something about the card mysterium's kind of like this too except this is purely ah um or like with uh rory story cubes how you would roll up something and based off the pictures you could extrapolate or interpret that however you need to these cards will definitely help you out with things like that uh there's other products that are like this that look like npc decks and things like that i find these a lot more interesting um mostly because the paragraphs on the back give some really interesting ideas for possible hooks or things or descriptives and the the art style itself 
is great. It definitely has that high fantasy kind of vibe to it. And especially when you're looking through the Epic Origins ones, ooh, that really that really strikes some uh, some uh, feelings and vibes there. So I would use this, like I said, if I'm rolling a, running a tabletop game, I might use this as a prompt for a scene I'm setting up, or maybe even to help me prep for a scene. But as some of you know, I run a competition at various gaming conventions called the, the Pharaoh's Challenge, or the RPG Pharaoh's Challenge, where the GMs get random elements and things like this. This could possibly be a thing that I might try to use at something like that. Have the GMs each th draw two or three different of these tarot-sized cards and say, this is what you have to incorporate into your game. The back might give you some ideas for some prompts, or the picture itself might just give you some sort of idea. But either way, incorporate that in there. And I think that that would be really, really awesome, really, really cool for that. So if you're a GM, if you just need inspiration for something, heck, if you're trying to write some fantasy uh, fiction or such, maybe this will help you out with that too. I don't see why it wouldn't. Um, I mean, don't don't copy the paragraphs per se, because you don't want you know plagiarism and stuff. But great project. So again, these are the Call to Adventure Heroic Fantasy Art Decks by Brotherwise Games. Uh, the two I have in particular, again, I said are the one based off of the Call to Adventure base game and the one based off Call to Adventure Epic Origins. If you're familiar with that line, you know there's lots of different uh, expansions and, and, and offshoots that go along with it. So I gotta imagine uh, there's probably either going to be or there may already be some more art decks based off of that stuff as well. Each deck comes with 100 tarot-sized cards. That's the end of the Swarmcast Pack. This episode, you know. You should like and subscribe to us wherever we do go. Cause it's gonna be the future soon. And I won't always be this way. When the things that make me weak and strange get engineered away. It's gonna be the future soon. I've never seen it quite so clear. But when my heart is breaking, I can close my eyes and it's already that's right, it's the end of this Firmcast episode! Hooray, we made it! Hey, go and like and subscribe to us on uh, Podbean, uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, wherever you want to find us. We're actually on Amazon Podcasts, or if you have an Amazon Music, check us out there. And we're going to be showing up on Spotify. Don't get us confused with those Iowa Hawkeyes guys. In fact, if you find them, you should email them and say, hey, what? Are you done yet? I'm almost. All right, I'm wrapping this up. Talk to you guys later. Is there such a thing as too much of a good thing? I ask myself that every day. That is until the weekend comes and the sun has gone away to sleep. Then there's only one thing in my mind. That's right. Me and my baby love Saturday nights, a Saturday night. Saturday. Yeah, me and my baby love Saturday nights, a Saturday night. Saturday. With a dancing and a singing like the weekdays never happened. I could be, I should be. Dancing right now, cause me and my baby love Saturday nights, a Saturday night. Saturday. Yeah, 
hear me in my baby love Saturday nights, a Saturday night Talk of the town is where we're headed next Cause everywhere we go is a bit It doesn't matter the company But we're pretty good company for you to have around Me and my baby love Saturday nights, a Saturday night my baby love Saturday nights, a Saturday night With the dancing and the singing Like the weekdays never happened I could be, I should be Dancing right now Cause me and my baby love Saturday nights, a Saturday night My baby and I, my baby and I, my baby. We're going dancing tonight. The dull drum of the work week. Gets me feeling down Misery and sorrow follow us around When that music hits and the band stops to play Please you better get out of our way me and my baby love Saturday nights, Saturday nights My baby love, love, Saturday me and my baby love, love, Saturday.